going to read a scripture, um, Romans 5, verse 6 through 8, and this is why we sing, this is why we do anything here today. It says, um, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God, but God, showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies. That's when, that's how he showed his love for us. And so when we sing this morning, that's what we're singing about, right? How much his love has overcome, that he loved us while we were sinners. He loved us while we were rebels.
worship your holy name this morning, God. We worship your, your beautiful name, your wonderful name, your powerful name. We thank you just to see life change, God, like Karen this morning and so many others, God, in our midst, God, that that name, that powerful name has changed them. God, we love you and we need you. We pray all this in your son's name this morning. Amen. Y'all may be seated. If you're a kid, kindergarten and down, this is your chance to sprint out those back doors. You get to run in church, do it, or walk, walk, sorry parents, walk. Just casually make your way to the back, kindergarten and down to children's church. Just fishing. 
love that video. Um, I like the song too, but I love the video. Um, it reminds me of Chelsea when she was a little girl. Um, one of the things that she liked to do was go fishing with Papa Coach. And um, the line in there where Trace Atkins says, the memory, fish may not be real big, but the memory's huge. The memory's a big one. And it absolutely is uh, because it's, you know, that made an impression upon her. I, and I, I've got to tell you, I like to fish. I really, really do. I like fishing. I, I don't play golf, and uh, I haven't hunted really since, since I was a kid, but man, I like to fish. Um, now, Glenn Frank will testify this morning, I'm not very good at it, but that's okay. I still, I still like, I like to do it, and um, evidently, uh, there were a lot of people that liked to fish throughout time and throughout history, and um, Jesus caught on to that. We've been talking about connecting. Um, Daryl's been talking to us about connecting with people for um, several weeks now and connecting with uh, one another, connecting with our church and connecting with the people inside these walls. But um, he, he turned his focus last week to connecting with people who may not be here and who may not ever be here if you and I don't make that connection with them and and there's there's got to be an intentional um, game plan that causes us to go from where we are to where they are and and get them in the door and make that connection and I think fishing's a good way to do it and if you want to take me that's okay all right um, I really think that, that there's something to be said about going and fishing and, and hunting and gathering and um, looking for those that really could make a difference if they were, or a difference could be made in their lives, rather, if they were here this morning. Look at familiar scripture to us today in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, and um, I, I guess I want to start um, in about verse 3. He, Jesus, got into one of the boats that belonged to Simon, and he asked him to put it out a little from the shore. Jesus was, was speaking. Jesus was preaching. He was teaching, and, you know, like, like was the case um, crowds would gather, and, and he asked Simon um, to allow him to get into his boat. We know that, that Simon, that Peter, was a professional fisherman, and Jesus asked to get into his boat and, and uh, set the boat out into the water. And then he sat down, um, the scripture continues, Luke continues to write, then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the boat began, that the nets began to break and the boat began to sink. So they signaled their partners uh, into the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the great oratory skills of Jesus. Is that what it says? He and all of his companions were astonished at the masterful use of whatever dialect and language that they were speaking in at that time. Peter was captivated by that. Peter and all of his companions were astonished at the command of Scripture and the Mosaic law that Jesus could quote chapter and verse without ever looking. He was astonished at all that, right? Come on, you know Peter. That's not him. Peter was astonished because they caught fish. The greatest public speaker the world will ever know is in your boat delivering this unbelievable sermon and Peter could care less because Peter was a fisherman and he'd worked all night long. Now, if I go fishing and I don't catch anything, that's kind of a bummer, you know. That's not a whole lot of fun. But if Peter went fishing and didn't catch anything, he didn't eat. Nor did his family. And he didn't pay his bills. This is what he did for a living. This was serious business to him. And he'd been doing it all night long. And here's Jesus in his own boat talking and preaching to the people. And he's no more paying attention than the man in the moon. But man, when they start reeling them in, Peter goes, you see that? He was astonished at the catch of fish. It was only when Jesus spoke his native language that Peter really paid attention. It's only when Jesus did something that was straight to his heart, that spoke to him personally, that hit home with Peter, regardless of all the other things that Jesus could do. Regardless of all the things that he could say, it was only when they started bringing those fish in the boat that Peter really sat up and paid attention. They were astonished at the catch. Astonished so much, so, so mesmerized by what Jesus had done that Peter begins to confess sin to him. I'm just telling you, Glenn, we go out and we catch a bunch of fish. I'm not confessing my sin to you, okay? But Peter did. This real-life situation caused Peter to have a spiritual turn in his life immediately. Lord, go away from me, okay? I'm a sinful man. I don't deserve to be in this boat with you. And we could read on, and Jesus is going to tell Peter, now that I've got your attention, 
now that you're listening, we're about to really go fishing. We're about to really sit out in the deep water. Because from now on, you will be fishers of men. We're going to go get people, and we're going to change the world doing just what we did there. You know, I think it's, uh, we, we can talk about growing church and, and connecting with lost people and making a difference, making an impact in the world, and, and that's great. And many books have been written and many programs uh, um, are established today um, to uh, help us do all those kinds of things. But if Jesus knew that the way to do it was to go fishing, I got a feeling that'll still work today. You know, when you go fishing, you got to have the right bait. You do. You got to have the right bait. You got to have something to lure that fish, you know, into the boat with you. Now, there are a lot of things in my tackle box, most of which have never hit the water, okay? Because I don't really know what they are. They look cool. They're shiny. They have, they have several hooks in them. Um, they cost a lot of money. People give them to me, okay? Um, and you open up my tackle box, and you might assume I actually know what I'm doing, okay? That's not the case. Regardless of what else you'll find in my tackle box, you'll always find two things. I don't care where I'm going, what kind of fishing I'm doing, what time of year it is, I will always have a MEPS spinnerbait and a Berkeley Tequila Sunrise Purple Worm. I have caught more fish of every species on those two baits than everything else I've ever had in my tackle box. And I come to the reason why, I understand why now. It's because using those two baits requires absolutely no skill. <laughs> you throw them out there, you reel them back, okay? All right? Even I can do that. You got to have some go-to baits when you go fishing. Something that you know will make a difference and make an impression on whatever it is you're trying to catch. And Jesus, kind of like my two baits, tells us there are a couple of things that you should always take with you when you're on a fishing trip. Look in Matthew's gospel for me. Again, real familiar words from the Lord this morning. Chapter 5 in Matthew's Gospel. This is the Sermon on the Mount. We've all heard this and read this many, many times and um, kind of in the middle of the fifth chapter there, um, Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness or loses its taste, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything uh, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and place it under a bowl, but instead they place it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I believe Jesus would tell us this morning that our go-to baits when we are going fishing are simply salt 
and light. That those are the things that the world desperately needs to encounter this morning from us. And, and you say, well, Cody, what's, what's, that, what's that really mean? You know, why, why did the Lord use these two real common examples? Well, you know, what, it, what does light do? When you think about that, what does light really do? It dispels darkness, right? I, I mean, if, if, if the, the room were dark this morning and we flipped the switch, then all of a sudden we don't know really where it goes. But the darkness is gone, right? Light causes darkness to leave. And Jesus said, this is what we, as children of God, have to do for others when we want to make a connection with them. We've got to bring some light to a dark situation. And I know Daryl has talked about this a lot uh, in, in recent weeks, but, you know, guys, we are... A society struggling desperately to live in darkness. And we were never created to do that. We're not made to be, um, we're not made to exist, I should say, in darkness. That's not good for us. That's not healthy for us. If you don't believe me, get up in the middle of the night okay, and not be able to find the light switch, okay? We're, we're not programmed for darkness, and yet that's what the world is trying to convince us of this morning, that that's the way to live, that we need to stumble and fumble and fall through the darkness, and that's life, and that's wrong. That's wrong. And somebody who's trapped in that lie this morning, somebody who, who, who is, is just up to their eyeballs in darkness this morning, well, however it was created or wherever it originates from, it really doesn't matter. You know what they need? They need somebody to shine some light in that situation. They need somebody to bring the hope and the truth that is Jesus into their world so that they can quit stumbling and falling in the darkness. Jesus said, who, who, who lights a light and then puts it under a bowl? Who, who lights a light and then puts it under a bushel basket or a cover or something where nobody can see it? He said, that's not the reason that I gave you light in the first place. You're the light of the world so that people can see where they're going. So they don't have to stumble as much. So they don't have to fall and be hurt over and over again. But we have to take that light to them. We have to be careful when we do it too, though. Jesus said, yeah, we've got to be the light. We've got to get rid of the darkness. But we can't offend those people while we're doing it. He said, you're the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, if it loses its taste, what good is it? What good is it? I don't know about you, and, and I'll just confess sin this morning. I like salt. Okay? I do. I do. I salt my salt. 
okay? I don't care what you're eating, just about anything can be palatable with enough salt, okay? I've eaten in school cafeterias all my life, okay? And I keep a hidden salt container, okay, where no one can find it. And you can make it. You can can do it. Salt is good stuff. It really is. Because it gives flavor. It picks things up. It makes them taste good. It makes you want some more of it. We as the body of Christ have got to be tasty enough in a bland world that people want some more of it. I don't know how to say that any differently. I I, I don't know how to communicate that any differently, but if we're taking the hope that is Jesus to somebody else, And it's miserable when we bring it to them. Why would they want that? Why would they want that? Y'all heard me do this before, but it's like being Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. You know, Eeyore is just not a party animal. Even when it's his birthday party, he's not good at it. He's miserable. And I'm afraid this morning that one of the traps that Satan has has subtly lulled us into is having an Eeyore attitude about our faith. I'm a Christian. I've been 40 years. Waiting on the rapture. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Nobody, nobody's excited about that this morning. Whether we like it or not today, we compete with a world that spends billions of dollars captivating our attention and trying to entertain us. Just trying to hook us for a second so that we'll buy whatever it is that they're selling. We can't do that by not having an excitement, by not having a zeal, by not having a zest for what we say is the single most important aspect of our lives. When we take Jesus to somebody, it better taste good. It better be exciting. It better be something better than what they can find on the television or the internet or the house next door. And you and I are solely responsible for making sure that it is. You've got to have the right bait. You've got to have the right bait. But here's the other thing about fishing that I've discovered. You've got to have the right location. You really do. Um, I have never caught a fish in my living room. And it's not from lack of trying. When I, when I was a kid, I was casting one day in the living room. I broke a window. That's a whole other story, okay? But no, really. If you're going to fish, probably the, the number one requirement is you have to go to the water. They ain't coming to you. I don't care how good a fisherman you think you are. 
what your equipment is like, what your boat is like, all those kinds of things. If you don't launch that thing out into the water, you ain't catching nothing. You have got to go where they are. Last week, Daryl talked to us about a fishing trip that Jesus went on. He went fishing for Zacchaeus. That's exactly what he did. All those, those many people there, that big crowd and all this kind of stuff, little guy up in the tree, and Jesus says, I'm catching that one. I'm catching that one. Time and time again, we see examples in Scripture of the Lord intentionally going where someone is instead of waiting for them to come to him. I want to read you one of my favorite ones this morning. John chapter 4. And again, you're familiar with this. John chapter 4, and um, I'll begin in verse 7. It says, a Samaritan woman had come to draw water, and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her and he said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Here's, here's the story real quickly. And you, you, you're familiar with it this morning. Jesus and his disciples were on their way back to Galilee. And their travels take them through this little city state there in the Middle East called Samaria. Now, Samaria was a place where Jewish people uh, had begun to marry Assyrian people, and there, a new race of people um, naturally uh, were being born there. And any self-respecting Jew wouldn't be caught dead in Samaria. This is the reason in another part of scripture where Jesus tells the story about the person who was stranded on the road and the priest comes by and doesn't help and a neighbor comes by and doesn't help but somebody finally comes by and helps and, and takes care of the person and gives money to take care of the person's future needs and, and make sure everything is, is in good shape. This is the reason why Jesus makes the hero in that story a Samaritan. Because Jews of his day didn't think anything good could come from this place. And here's Jesus right in the middle of it in the afternoon. And he encounters this woman. And we know the story, guys. I, I'll not bore you with that this morning, but we know she shouldn't have been there at noon in the heat of the day to get water. And she sure shouldn't have been there at noon in the heat of the day to get water by herself without any help and without any assistance. But see, she didn't expect anybody to be there either. This was the perfect time for her to go because she's not going to have to deal with anybody. She's not going to have to answer any questions. She's not going to have to take any dirty looks from the people who might be there. She's not going to have to hear people whisper behind her back because this woman, let's just be honest, didn't have a good reputation. Jesus tells her that in this story. 
he tells her to um, to go and get her husband and and I just see her head just dropping and her and her eyes just falling and her having to say to him I, I don't I don't have a husband and Jesus says I know I know you don't you've had several husbands the man you're living with you're not married to I know all that everybody in town knew all that but don't forget Jesus was fishing he was fishing she was the prize he was he was planning to catch that day but something really ironic happens to me look back in in, in verse 8 there's a little parenthetical statement right there John writes the disciples had gone into town to buy food. To me, this says two definitive things about the disciples. First of all, they had to be Baptist. They like to eat. But guys, secondly, this is, this is wrong. This doesn't add up. Doesn't make a lot of sense for the disciples to leave Jesus in a place that's known to be hostile to Jewish people. To leave him alone like that. And I don't know the conversation that they I don't know if Jesus told them to go buy food. I don't know if he audibly told them that. I don't know if his spirit just compelled them, just moved upon them to go in to buy food. I know this, Jesus was not hungry because when they get back, he doesn't eat. I'm afraid what it says about the disciples is that Jesus knew they would have been in the way. Jesus knew that they would have had something to say about the woman. Maybe rolled their eyes. Maybe whispered behind her back. Maybe just not associate with her, just not have anything to do with her at all. Maybe confirm every suspicion she'd ever had about Jewish men. Maybe they would have just done that. You see, the disciples at this particular time, folks, they are the church. They are the people who are closest to Jesus. They, they are the people who know him, who love him, who work with him, who, who live with him, and who should be um, just keenly in step with everything that he wants to do. And he has to get them out of the way in order for him to be him with this young lady. Man, we don't want that this morning. If they were writing our story this morning, we don't want that, that, that little statement to be said about us that, that Jesus had to send Cody off on some menial errand, some, some insignificant task that he had to get him out of the way. We know the end of the story. We know what happens to the young lady and um, her life is, is changed forever. And you know, we were talking about that 
when Jesus goes fishing, he kind of throws caution to the wind, whether it's Zacchaeus or the woman at the well or anybody else. doesn't really matter how deep the water is or how choppy the waves, he's going. And he, could, he really could have encountered a lot of negative things that day. There have been people there that were hostile toward him and were um, um, were seeking to do him harm, were seeking to hurt him, seeking maybe to kill him. We don't know. But Jesus was fishing for this young girl. And nothing would stop him. He didn't have to encounter all those things that day. But if you'll remember, sometime later, he, he goes fishing again. And once again, the water's really deep. And the waves are really rough. And he can encounter misunderstanding and ridicule and embarrassment and pain and agony and even death. And this time he goes through every bit of it. Because he's not fishing at Jacob's well anymore. But he's cast his net at Calvary. And the person he's so desperately trying to catch is you. you don't hear anything else this morning I hope you hear this the very same Jesus that went out of his way to catch that young woman and to change her life forever that day in Samaria has gone out of his way to be in Huntington Texas this morning and there's nothing he would love more than to change your life forever I'm gonna leave you with words of a song it says she had her father's blue eyes, but he left home before she arrived, and her mom named her Grace. Just getting by on their own, when she was 15, she ran away from home one cold December day. Never been inside of a church before, she'd always say, what for? Those people wouldn't care about me. So we have to go where she lives, show her who Jesus is. And watch him set her free. Because grace is lost and alone in a world that's as cold as stone. And God is counting on us to reach her with his love. You see, it's all about saving grace. It's all about living love. It's all about being Jesus and sharing him with those he came to say. Loving life and giving our own away. It's all about serving God and and that's all about saving grace. I have no idea today if the young lady at the well's name was Grace. But it sure could have been. And I'll be honest with you this morning, I don't know where you are. You may be here, and, and if you were totally candid for just a second, you might say, that's me. You might say, I'm grace. I've tried it all. I've, tr I've tried everything that's come down the pack, and honestly, this morning, I'm still dying of thirst, and I don't know what to do.
Remember what we said. Jesus is fishing this morning. And he would love to catch you. And you may be here today, and because of God's grace, you don't have to be graced anymore. You know what it's like to be forgiven. You know what it's like to be um, a part of a family. But I bet you know grace. I bet you know somebody that's dying of thirst right this second. Somebody at school, somebody at work, somebody in, in your family, a neighbor. There's a grace in your life this morning. And here's the thing. The grace in your life and the grace in my life will never come to know the life-giving water that is Jesus Christ if you and I don't go fishing Let's stand together. Father, we thank you today for allowing us to look at your word. And we thank you, Father, for the example that you set for us in how personally intentional your son always was when he set out to change the hearts and lives of people. And God, we most of us here today have been given that, that awesome gift and and it's ours to, to freely give away and share with someone else this morning. But we have to get up and go do that. We have to do something simple like go fishing. Or go out to eat. Or, or go over to someone's house. Or go to a ball game. Or, or whatever vehicle we choose to drive, Father, is really not that important. And the, the important thing this morning is that we have to have a, an intentional destination to reach somebody with the gospel. And I pray that you would help us to do that today. In Jesus' name. This morning, our pastor's here. We'd have you respond this morning, but I'm going to ask you one other thing, and then I'll be quiet. I believe the Holy Spirit is faithful right now to put the very image of that person that is the grace in your life right in your mind right this moment you know exactly who i'm talking about i don't know but you know exactly who i'm talking about i would invite you today if god's done that if he's if he's reminded you of, of one individual that you just simply come and dedicate a fishing trip to take that person life-giving water this morning. The altar's open. Our pastor's here. You respond as God will have you to do.